0: Support for Radioactive's Punk Rock Farmer comes from Go Biochar.
1: Welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists and community builders. I'm Laura Jones. It is the summer break, but, you know, we've been able to keep Punk Rock Farmer pretty much a full show every Friday. Aldine, KRCL's Punk Rock
2: Farmer, is with me. It's It's been a great week. It rained all day yesterday, and it's raining today. That never happens in Utah. (laughs) My, my garden is looking really vibrant.
1: As we record this a day ahead of time, so who knows what's gonna be like tomorrow, but my garden is finally looking perky. The tomatoes have been fighting the drought um, and the construction in the neighborhood, but I'm starting to get more yellow squash, finally, and lemon cucumbers. What's really peaking in your garden?
2: I'm. I have eggplants coming now, and uh, lots of blackberries. Lots of blackberries. Tons. And my tomatoes coming, starting to be steady. Lots of green ones ready. I'm ready to have a big harvest.
1: So tonight on the show, we're continuing your series where you go and visit people in their gardens. What do we have tonight?
2: We. Uh, I was on location in Cedar City. And I played an event at Red Acre Farm, burgers, bikes, and bands, all farm-fresh food made by Sarah there on the farm, and some local beef. And uh, I got to interview her in her garden, and it's a farm there, so (laughs) there's some big plots, and there's six hoop houses that are big. They have a lot going on.
1: What I really love about Red Acre Farm down there in Cedar City is it's right in the middle of a subdivision. I mean, it's not like a subdivision in Salt Lake City. It's a little more spread out. But she's got goats and everything going on. The neighborhood loves it.
2: Yeah, like in the last few years, lots of some houses have sprouted up on the front side of the farm. On the back side, it's still a big field. But boy, they're using their two acres of land to the hill there.
1: Also coming up on the show tonight, we're going to get deeper into the Feast of Five Senses with our friend Kim Angeli, but also Brooke Wolfenden from Urban Pioneer Foods. The last time, well, I guess, how many years has it been now since we went down to the Small Farm Conference and you helped Brooke?
2: It's been a couple of years since we did that one, but uh, we made these little bao buns, and I know Brooke puts a lot of love into her (laughs) food, and we'll talk about that.
1: And it's an event that really mixes it up between the chefs, and small farmers across the state. You're also going to get an update on the 11th annual Utah Beer Festival, which is this weekend. And also we're launching something called the KRCL Craft Collective, a new way to volunteer with the station, uh, pull things out of the waste stream that would otherwise go into a landfill uh, with our partners at Clever Octopus. So stick around for that and Skywatcher Leo T. But first up, fresh and homegrown music. We've got Russ Alfin from Adult Adult prom, You know, I say adult, but I'm pretty sure it's adult. Hey, Russ, how are you?
0: Hey, good, how are you guys?
1: Answer that question, adult or adult?
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm i usually adult prom, but adult prom, whatever's good. It sounds more British.
1: So. <laughs> well, tell us about the band we met uh, or came across you because earlier this week, one of the student journalists at Salt Lake Community College said, hey, I want a song of summer from a local band that I just saw at Kilby Court. And I guess Andrew Christiansen at the Globe had uh, attended one of your release parties for the new album, Mild Horses.
0: That's right. Yeah, no, um, Andrew uh, hit me up this last week and was, you know, was wondering about that. Like, hey, is it cool if I play a song on the radio? And I was like, dude, by all means. But uh, yeah, adult prom, um, uh, I guess got it started like 2018, mid-2018. It's just been a bunch of songs that I've been writing for years and years and finally finished school. And I was like, oh, I, I gotta I got to put these out there. So I had to think of a name and released it out in the universe. We played, uh, we released an EP back in uh, late 2018 and playing shows here and there, you know and then finally released our uh, full length album just this last month, Mild Horses through uh, Up Here Records. And uh, yeah, it's been a trip really good times
2: <laughs> so you roped in some of your buds to play with you how many folks are in the band what what are the what's the instrumentation
0: so we got um our uh my good friend finn harris on the drums uh michael Morenios from dad bod is the lead uh, singer of dad bod he's on the uh, rhythm guitar we got ethan martell on the bass my one of my best friends johnny Sigmiller on lead guitar and uh yeah we're just all homies and they just Learned all the parts and everything and uh, been
2: supporting adult prom all the way. This one is In the Morning by Adult Prom right here fresh and homegrown on KRCL 90.9 FM.
3: you a teen inspired to be heard do you want to be a dj on this station krcl 90.9 fm then join loud and clear youth radio we are currently looking for the next group of interested teens ages 14 to 19 who want to be the next group of youth djs at this station applications are due september 12th so hurry for more information visit spyhop.org we are looking forward to hearing your voice on this station
1: Welcome back to Radioactive on KRCL 90.9. I'm Laura Jones. It's Punk Rock Farmer Friday. Aldine Nine, the Punk Rock Farmer, is here. It's time for rallies and resources, a couple events coming up that uh, we want you to know about. In fact, it's the launch of the KRCL Craft Collective. It's a work in progress, Al, but our friend Jen Lopez is here from Clever Octopus Creative Reuse Center in South Salt Lake. Um, I've been trying to get crafty and uh, amuse myself during COVID and Clever Octopus has been crucial to that. They've got great art supplies. And so we've put together a couple of workshops that are gonna be the last Saturdays of the month. It's their family um, creator workshop series. Jen, how are you? Howdy.
4: We're, we're excited to uh, be working with y'all on this project.
1: Uh, and it's the launch of our craft collective in that you can come and take the workshops and you can uh, make one for krcl while you're there and it'll go into the creative reuse center shop uh, and support krcl but really what we're taking is some of the donations we've received that uh, we otherwise can't do anything with and keeping them out of the landfill and in this case the old cassettes
2: Uh, you know how many
1: cassettes do you still have al i have a
2: I have um, one of those. I have one of those milk crates full. Well, okay. Yeah.
1: Well, if you want to donate, if you're not listening anymore, we can do something with those. And
2: there's some old KRCL ones from ah. Brad Collins show and stuff in there. Okay, you, can't,
1: you can't use those. You can't use those. Those are relics. Yes. Historical artifacts. But Jen, um, tell me about creative. The uh, tell me about Clever Octopus as a creative re- reuse center and how it's become like this go to place
4: for art supplies and so much more. Sure, we are a shop that gathers materials, things that would otherwise go into the landfill. We gather um, arts, actual arts and craft supplies and also things that could become arts and craft supplies. Um, so with with our partnership with Carousel, we get a lot of the records that just can't become playable anymore. They're too damaged to listen to or they're, you know, something that you have 9000 copies of chipmunks singing Christmas carols that nobody wants anymore. <laughs> um, And we get cassettes and other sorts of fun things from KRCL and um, we are working together to try and create other cool stuff out of them. So Laura and I have put together a series of workshops that will be reclaiming all these materials.
2: This is really exciting. You know, um, there's a there's some folks. It's a collective uh, artist collective in San Francisco and it's uh, survival research laboratories. And they make these machines that fight each other in a big arena out of obtanium, And that's kind of what you're doing. It's junk. It's mm-hmm. stuff that, that people throw away and they go and they find it and they make stuff out of it. I think it's awesome. Obtainium.
1: I like that. That's going to be a new t-shirt for the punk rock farmer, (laughs) I think. Um, So Jen, I got crafty over the holidays and reached out to you and said, hey, can we put these in the creative reuse center and see uh, if people like them? Like I upcycled some records into trays, even turned one into like a little uh, end table and some other doohickeys and people, people snapped them up. So, so we want people to shine up and come play with us on August 28th. What are people going to do?
4: So our first workshop is the Funky Cassette Workshop. We'll be taking reclaimed cassettes and uh, reclaimed spray paint, and we'll be turning them into fancy desktop organizers. So, uh, you know, good for the back to school and trying to find your way back to uh, li- living at your desk again.
1: So, how do people sign up, and what are the COVID protocols we're going to put into place?
4: Absolutely. So to sign up, you'll go to our website, www.cleveroctopus.org and COVID protocols, absolutely positively wear a mask. If you're vaccinated, even better. We would love to have you come join us. This first program, we're going to run outside, partly because we're spray painting and partly because it's good for the rest of us. Um, And beyond that, we'll be establishing exactly whether or not they'll be inside or outside as we go forward.
1: And all the supplies will be provided you in the two hours from one to three. You can make as many pretty much as you're, you can, and you leave a couple behind for careCL that go into the reuse center. And these are two nonprofits working together to have some fun and also support the cause.
4: It's going to be super exciting.
1: Yeah, Jen, I know we have some more coming up and we'll get the word out about those. But again, the workshop tab at your website, which is?
4: www.cleveroctopus.org hey thanks jen take care thanks
2: okay now let's go to something really exciting and it's got it involves food it involved it involves farm to table food feast of the five census is coming up kim angeli and brooke wolfington are with us today
1: hey brooke with urban pioneer foods hi how are you doing doing well and kim glad to have you back another Another week here on the show, and we wanted to really show people what to expect at the Feast of the Five Senses. Give us the date again and the website where people can get tickets before we talk with Brooke about what she's working on.
5: The Feast in its movable version is August 28th, and
1: it's the- website is slowfoodutah.org. So you go and you do the workshop and then you pick up the, the take home for the five feasts. I'm thinking on the 28th, but Brooke, yeah. you're, you're an urban chef, urban pioneer foods, and you're working with a small farmer on your menu. So what are you pulling together? What's inspired you that's coming out of the ground these days?
6: Okay. So, um, yes, I have been paired with, uh, John Borski of Borski farms. He's got a great little urban farm in the middle of Kaysville. I went up there yesterday and got to talk to him and look at his farm and hand pick out things um, for the feast. I'm really excited about it. Um, He specializes a lot in garlic and he's worked on three varieties of garlic for years. Um, And I am gonna uh, highlight all three of his uh, varieties um, of garlic and in my dishes. Uh, along with some of his really cool Torpedo Cabbage, Heirloom Tomatoes. I'm using Sprouted Purple Cauliflower, his Yukon Golds. Um, it was really exciting and I want to use all of his food.
2: <laughs> he He's a organic pioneer guy and he helped to start the downtown farmer's market 30 years ago. So that's really awesome. And actually I'm planning on going and talking to him next week to have him on the urban Par- farm report. So that that's, uh, we're on the same page, Brooke. I know you always, even in the food you make for urban fi- pioneer foods, you also always use farm to table stuff and you always are making dishes out of what's fresh. So I'm thinking the recipes probably are spontaneous. Is that correct?
6: They are. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, my background is really self taught and, um, I like to create dishes that um, are based in comfort, a lot of comfort foods, but I have a really a huge love for a lot of um, global cuisine. So um, all the, so the four course menu that I'm creating is very eclectic. Um, It has a lot of big global flavors. I'm using a lot of local seasonal ingredients. it's kind of a mishmash and it, it'll it be pretty cool. Um, I've got, you know, like a starter that, that's uh dish is going to be an Arborio rice, sweet corn fritter with um, a coconut curry, Thai basil sauce um, and tomb which is a Lebanese garlic, whipped garlic uh, condiment. And I'm using John's, one of his varieties of garlic to create that. So that'll be really fun. Um, we're doing a version of meatloaf, but it's not really ground meat. It's uh, done with braised short ribs um, and pressed. And so I'm calling it pave, which is kind of means, uh, uh, I guess, like a stone, like a, a piece of stone. Um, I know that's not correct. <laughs> That's the only thing that's coming through my head right now. Anyway, we're doing all kinds of really cool stuff. Another thing that I'm doing, I worked, years ago, I worked on the Spice Incubator Kitchen, and I worked with a lot of refugee women, and they taught me incredible things. And one of the dishes is a fermented tea leaf salad. Um, It's called La Fet It I fermented the green tea leaves that I got, and um, I'm going to mix that with... uh, John's, um, cabbage and heirloom tomatoes and fried garlic. Um, so that was, should be really cool. I'm excited about that
1: one. Talk about the feast of the five senses and Kim, that really sounds like what you're, you're asking your participating chefs and urban farmers do, to do, to be really creative a one of a kind, one of a kind menu that, uh, participants get to sample Kim.
5: I mean, yes, that's, that is correct. The feast is our annual fundraiser and that is one of the you know, driving points so that we can build our microground fund, but it's also a celebration of the harvest. I mean, this is a great time to be an eater in Utah right now. Everything's peaking and um, our chef community is gonna do amazing things at the I'm really excited. I wish I could eat all the menus, but
1: I can only pick one. <laughs> <laughs> so people can still sign up and get tickets what's the website kim and one more time also explain the micro grants because it really goes right back to the very thing you're supporting with the the menus
5: right so each year for the last 17 years slow food has raised money through this feast to create a grant fund for school gardens food producers and local farmers and in fact a lot of the farmers that are partnering on the feast have been recipients of the grant so it's a really kind of a full circle gamut and it's a great way to contribute to a wonderful organization where you also get an amazing meal so I recommend you all do it you have to select by midnight on Monday so get on our website it's slowfoodutah.org check out the different restaurants we have um they're all through scattered throughout Salt Lake County this year there's a big variety it's pretty exciting we're stoked to have these chefs partner with us and yeah, we, hopefully we get to continue doing what we do best, which is supporting our local food community.
2: You know, thanks so much, Kim, for all all that Slow Foods does. I know so many small farmers and people that I are, have buddied up with over the years that have and almost all of them have gotten some sort of a grant for a, a cedar um, to seed bros or a or a small greenhouse. <laughs> I mean, just I know tons of people who have gotten this grant. I really, really want to thank you guys for doing what you do for the local urban farm community. And then Brooke, will you just tell us a little bit about where folks can get in touch with you and where they can get some of your food that you make every week?
7: Sure.
6: So Urban Pioneer Foods is a catering company, um, but what we've been focusing on mostly for the last year and a half is a delivery and pickup service of fully cooked uh, reheatable mills. They're cooked fresh using tons of local produce. Everything's made from scratch. Um, I'm located at 389 West 1700 South, just north of Costco. it pickups and deliveries are only on Saturdays at this time, but you can view my menus for ordering details on social media, on Instagram and on Facebook, um, or you can sign up for an email menu.
2: Thanks so much, Brooke, for keeping that farm to table thread alive. You do it so well and, and the love goes into your food. I, I've seen it. I've tasted it. I know that you do it all the time.
1: Thanks, Al. Thanks, Lara. You guys are welcome. We'll put a link in the show notes. A heads up on an event on August 26th. By the way, I'm going to help MC the Equal Rights Rally that's happening at the Capitol. Check rallies and resources for more details as local groups push for ratification of the Equal Rights Amendment. But last event here in Rallies and Resources, before we get some more music from adult prom, it's the 11th annual Utah Beer Festival this weekend. I had the chance to Zoom a conversation with festival organizer and City Weekly associate publisher, Mike Saltis, and two of the beer makers that'll be there. Here's that conversation. Mike, how you doing? City Weekly's got the big beer fest coming up this weekend.
8: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Utah Beer Festival's coming up. Uh, Saturday and Sunday, we're, we're excited. Uh, we had to take a little leave of absence last year, obviously. Uh, so we're, we're just excited to go full steam ahead uh, this weekend.
1: How big is it? How small is it? What's happened because of COVID? Tell us how it's going to work.
8: Right, yeah, it's, it's grown in capacity year over year. Uh, our first festival was in uh, 2010, with 10 breweries attending. Uh, we had uh, about 3,500 attendees that first, that first festival. Uh, and then it's just kept, kept on growing and growing. We've changed venues a few times. We're at the city and county building. Uh, we've been at the Gallivan Center. Um, we we're at the Fair Park for a number of years, and this is our first year at the Gateway uh, so we're excited about the venue change. We're excited to um, be closer downtown, uh, where it had been in the past. So hoping for ease of transport. Um, you know, UTa is going to be allowing uh, festival attendees to uh, use their use their ticket as uh, transit on both Saturday and Sunday to and from uh, downtown. Um, yeah, we're we're just excited to, to host it again.
1: We got a couple folks joining us who will be on tap, so to speak, at the beer festival. We've got Jennifer Carlton from Mountain West Cider. We've reached her on the road. Hi, Jen. Hey, guys. How are you? And Cody McKendrick, Bewilder Brewing Company. Hey, Cody.
3: Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me today.
1: I really appreciate it because I know how tough it is right now for anyone in hospitality. But, Cody, I understand you're short-staffed and you're just uh, bopping in between customers.
3: Yeah, yeah. We are we are definitely short-staffed. My partner is on a much-needed vacation vacation. So uh, typically he fills in on the, in the brew stores on Wednesdays and today I'm filling in the brew store. So hopefully we'll have a little gap between customers and we can make this happen.
1: Well, Cody, just for our listeners sake, give us the the origin story on Bewilder and where you are and how old you are.
3: Yeah. I mean, Bewilder itself opened in on November 3rd or December 13th, Friday, December 13th of 2019, but the origin started previous to that, um, about, It'll, about 10 and a half years ago, we opened a homebrew store in Midvale called Salt City Brew Supply. And you know, that to us was always meant to be kind of a launching point um to hopefully open a brewery one day. And we just kind of rode that wave as long as we could. And uh, once things started slowing down, we started to really put our foot on the pedal, so to speak, and um started working on the brewery. And it took us, you know, it took us a better part of two, two and a half years to get the brewery go open. And that was uh, you know, December of 2019, just, just before the pandemic hit. So we, we kind of picked a bad time to get started, but we, we persevered and we, you know, came to work every day and did everything we could, and we're still around. And, you know, thankfully recently things have been a lot busier for us, but we're, we're still hoping to pick up quite a bit more as, as things open up more
1: for us. Well, I'm guessing beer festivals, like the one you're participating in with city weekly, becomes really crucial to getting the the flavor of Bewilder out in the community.
3: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we were downtown and we, you know, our, our game plan was, hey, we're downtown. We've got two big parking lots. There's a ton of people that work downtown. There's a ton of convention center traffic downtown and tourism. We're just really going to capitalize on all this downtown population. And then nobody was downtown anymore. Um, so we didn't get to participate in any of the you know, annual beer festivals last summer. And so a lot of people that would typically have come in from the suburbs, to spend some time downtown for whatever reason, or go to the beer festivals, they just didn't know we existed. And so we've kind of just been looked over and yeah, this has been a good season for us. The beer festivals we've done so far have been really great to get out and interact with people. And, you know, it's good to see, it's frustrating to see people that haven't heard of us, but it's good to see that there's still lots of people that haven't heard of us. (laughs) <laughs> which means there's people that are still going to come and check us out. Hopefully,
1: that's a catch-22 for sure. So, what are you bringing to the to the beer festival?
3: Well, we've got we're going to have a few different beers. We're going to bring our Desert IPA, which is a seven percent IPA that's brewed with honey and local malt from Solstice Malting here in Salt Lake City. Um, probably my my two babies, which are English Strong Bitter, our ESB, and then our German style Kolsch. And then we'll we'll bring one of our fruited sours. We'll see what what seems the freshest when the event comes around. And then we're also going to release a new beer um, probably middle of the day on Saturday. I don't know if I should give all the details on that or not, but it's oh, pretty taste. excited about it. A
1: little taste. What's
3: it? It's what's uh, a, a it's a brunch beer.
1: A brunch beer. Got it. Yes,
3: it's cool. it's got lots two hundred and fifty pounds of Cara orange and tangerine. I can tell you that much.
1: Interesting. All right, Cody. Best of luck at the beer fest. Tell folks where you are in real life, and then also online?
3: Uh, We are at 445 South 400 West in Salt Lake City, Utah. And you can find us at bewilderbrewing.com on all the social medias, Instagram, Facebook, and and Google.
1: Well, Cody McKendrick, Bewilder Brewing Company, thanks for giving us some time between customers. We'll see ya. Thank you so much for having me. We're talking about the Utah Beer Festival, a city weekly production. We've got Mike Saltis with us, but also Jen Carlton from Mountain West Cider, founder of Mountain West Cider. I was just there the other day. You do a lot of community events at your outdoor beer garden. Thanks for that support of nonprofits in our community. But Jen, what's the the COVID uh, period been like for Mountain West Cider?
9: As is with everybody else, it was a challenge, but we uh, we did our best to stay afloat and take advantage of all the opportunities that were, you know, made made available to us. So we're just hoping to put the last, you know, 18 months or so behind us. Um, it did give us an opportunity, though, to really focus in on production. So, so we took that time to come out with some new products, new formats for, for the new year, and We've really hit the ground running since we've been able to reopen.
1: What are you taking with you to the beer festival?
9: Yeah, so we're going to have some of our all year round offerings as well as a specialty. Um, We've got our Ruby, our traditional English style dry cider, our Cottonwood dry hop cider. Great for those beer enthusiasts that might be looking for something a little lighter, a little more gluten free and all natural. Uh, We'll have um, Desolation there, and we'll also have a specialty, which is our Hip Hip Rosé, which was a small release that um, is made with watermelon, uh, rose hip, and hibiscus, so it's a really fun one to be serving.
1: It sounds like the Beer Fest is an opportunity, Jen, to try some new stuff and introduce yourself, reintroduce yourself to to the uh, beer drinking community. I'm guessing you enjoy those opportunities, especially after COVID.
9: Especially after COVID, we're just so happy to get back, be in the festival scene, connect with the community, cause that's what we're all about. And I love that City Weekly is providing that, that platform. You know, it's a great time too, to just get back out there, show people what we got and hopefully uh, hopefully, win some new fans.
1: Well, again, another locally based business in our community, Mountain West Cider. Jen, tell folks where you are in real life and online.
9: So, we're located at 425 North, 400 West in Salt Lake City. Um, you can also reach us on all the social medias at Mountain West Cider um, and MountainWestCider.com.
1: Thanks, Jen. We'll see you.
9: Thanks, R.
1: Michael Saltis, City Weekly uh, Associate Publisher and main organizer for the Utah Beer Festival. So, how many uh, vendors are going to be on hand for the, the festival?
8: This will actually be our biggest uh, in terms of breweries. Uh, since, since our inception. So we'll have over 55 different breweries. Um, We're going to have over 250 different beers to try. So in terms of the beer size, this is, you know, one of our biggest, if not the biggest um, representation between brewers and and beers.
1: Michael Saltis of City Weekly and the Utah Beer Festival happening this weekend. Also in there, Jennifer Carlton, founder of Mountain West Cider, and Cody McKendrick, co-founder of Bewilder Brewing. Just two of the folks and brewers who will be at the festival this weekend. Check tonight's show notes for a link to get your tickets. And now it's time for some more music from our featured band tonight. Adult Prom and Russell Alfin is back. Just put out the new album, Mild Horses, played a bunch of album release parties in July. Tell us about making Mild Horses.
0: So it was it was really interesting. Um, Nate Pfeiffer, who a, is a really... Uh, renowned local producer. He produced like uh, Moth and the Flame, um, you know, Cascade, list goes on. Um, he hit me up back in like 2019 uh, to do an album. And so I went into June Audio in Provo at the beginning of 2020 uh, to record this album. And and it was, we had a blast recording it. He's, uh, he's the man. And uh, it was, you know, it was, we had a whole album like schedule you know we were gonna release it in mid 2020 and we had like you know talking about tours and everything and then all of a sudden it was literally probably two weeks later after we wrapped up the album that we all went into lockdown and uh so it was it was hard to uh you know hold on to that album for a while and uh
1: yeah a year
0: oh yeah yeah. it was it was it was hard just you know keeping it in your back pocket, just being like, oh, come on, man.
1: (laughs) Did you start nerding out on liner notes and things like that? Well, I can maybe add some more art to this.
0: Oh, you know, it was it was it was it. What was cool about um, quarantine was that was a lot of time to exactly just think about uh, what else I could do. I I did a little music video for the song uh, Baby, You're a Star, where I did stop motion and everything, and I just taught myself how to do it. And I don't know if it's good or not, but <laughs> got a out of it.
1: we'll put and, it in the show notes tonight.
0: Uh, uh, fantastic. But yeah, it was, it was, uh, I'm just really happy that it's out and uh, really happy people are listening to it and liking it so far and
2: yeah. This is adult prom with Head in Hand, fresh and homegrown on KRCL 90.9 FM. <laughs>
10: Many cultures, one sky. As we look up, look around, get a little lost in space, let's do a little star exploration with (laughs) Neeru. We're talking with Neeru.
11: I am born and raised in India, and I came to the uh, University of Utah as a graduate student. And that was almost 20 years ago, and we've lived here ever since.
10: We're out here at this park looking at the half moon, and you can't see the sunset, but we're up here watching the kite fly.
11: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's a beautiful place to come watch the stars and the sunset. Not today, of course, but most other nights, yes. Mm, yeah,
10: the stars will come out eventually. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the stars in, mm-hmm. your, in your country of India, mm-hmm. can you tell me a little bit about the sky lord?
11: Absolutely. So... Um, In Indian culture uh, when a person is born they actually draw out a chart based on the location of the planets and stars in the sky um, at the precise time and date a person was born and based on that they are able to predict uh, special events, major changes in your life and even possibly when you would die. It's called a Janam Patri or basically a birth chart Um, and a lot of Indian families still consult that for marriage matches or for moving into a new home or uh, buying something valuable Uh, so it's got a very big role to play for sure. Uh, The other story that you and I have talked about Leonard is that of the pole star. and in India, there's a story about a young king. He was only six years old. Uh, his name was Dhruva. And he apparently wanted the affection of his father, who had a, who had a second wife and a stepbrother. And so uh, when the queen, his stepmom, found out that he wanted to sit on the lap of the king, his father, She said, uh, no, you need to do a lot more penance to do um, to do to sit on your dad's lap. So he took it very seriously and he prayed to the Lords for years and years uh, and eventually was able to sustain inner peace. And apparently at that time, the Lord, uh, the God, gods of the world uh, granted him the wish and turned him into a star where he remains a pole star. Apparently he came back after he was granted the wish and became a king, but he's still visible in the night sky as the pole star. Now I don't know how true it is scientifically, but that's what it goes based on mythology.
10: Is that what we refer to here as
11: Venus? I think so, yes.
10: The pole star, or Venus, shines brightly in the dusk. So look up, look around, get a little bit lost in space. Skywatcher Leo T. on KRCL.
1: Thank you, Leo T., for going out in the field and bringing us a new take on Skylore. You can check tonight's show notes for a link to his Facebook page. I'm Laura Jones, and you're listening to the Radioactive Summer Break, the Punk Rock Farmer edition. Coming up at 7 o'clock, it's Democracy Now!, followed by Circus Brown and Not a Sideshow at 8 o'clock. Keith and Nate check in with Friday Night Fallout at 10.30. Liquid Rhythms at 1 a.m. and Saturday Breakfast Jam with Shanna Lee starts at 7 a.m. tomorrow. You can find our entire programming lineup and the last two weeks of any show on demand on our website, krcl.org. And now it's time for Al's Urban Farm Report, where KRCL's punk rock farmer, Aldine Strict 9, goes and chats with somebody in their garden about their garden. Here we go.
2: This is Al the Punk Rock Farmer and I'm on location in Cedar City. I'm at Red Acre Farm. We're going to talk with Sarah here. They have a CSA. They have a farm stand. They go to farmers markets. They make pre-cooked meals for folks in their commercial kitchen here. All the food is nutrient dense comes from this farm or farms around here. Sarah, why don't first why don't you just kind of explain the layout of the farm because I know everybody is on the radio and they really can't picture, so let's let's give them an idea.
7: Okay, so we are on a 2 acre piece of property And then we have little pot plots kind of like throughout that little piece. So we have a quarter acre, which is where I started and where I farmed for now um, 12 years. And we've done up to baskets, like feeding 40 families out of that quarter acre. And then we call it our swing field. It's just right across. And that's another, a little smaller than a quarter acre um, of veg. And then we have a back section that has our high tunnels. We have six high tunnels. And then we grow um, more mixed veg back And
2: there. the high tunnels are a new addition. So you guys are growing more food than ever. And yeah. lots of... And tell folks about the some of the challenges of being down here in cedar city you have a short growing season yeah and that is kind of the reason behind the high tunnels what are you growing inside those
7: so our high tunnels we have all of our peppers tomatoes and eggplant we have one row of cucumbers and then one row of summer squash because
2: some because you guys need protection uh and that's why so you're growing all the you wouldn't you're not growing like uh cool weather stuff in there no, obviously. Not you're, right now. You're growing all your stuff that people grow in their gardens exposed. But right here we're are we at five thousand feet? We're we?
7: at fifty nine hundred. Fifty nine hundred yeah. feet. Yeah. So it's a little higher, but we also um have wind. So like The cold is real. We have a 60 day growing, 60 to 90 day growing season. But then we also have these winds that will get up to 40, 60 mile an hour gust. And so it just, the protection of the high tunnels, not just for warmth to extend this season and get them started a little earlier, but also the wind protection's a huge thing. So we had, we've had two and three, of, we have had three of them for several years, but we doubled how many we have this year.
2: And so there's all there's animals here also. Yes. There's lots <laughs> of chickens. There's yeah. goats. You guys have. Um, there's a couple of cows. What what do you do with with them?
7: So our animals, what really why we have them is the. Liquid gold that comes out of their back end.
2: Okay. <laughs>
7: so we make compost with it, but we say that their byproduct is their milk and their eggs, and really what we want is their poop.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, but they
7: are milking goats and milking cows, and then we have our eggs for um, egg laying, and then we have beautiful compost piles made with all of their uh, manure, and that's how we feed our farm. We're an organic farm. And um, we feed our plants with this beautiful compost we make. And we have two very large rows. We call <laughs> I, them the fertility gods. And
2: I'll take a picture of those and we'll put them along with the show notes on this one too when we do the Urban Farm Report next week. So this is Virginia. Yes. And she's a large sow.
7: Yeah, she's and, our petting zoo pig.
2: Okay, and so the, yeah. her purpose is just to lay around and be seen.
7: Yeah, she's kind of just, yeah. <laughs> she she eats the food that no one else will and no one should. She really likes pizza. <laughs> it's kind of a bad thing. <laughs> she's not all about the organic veggies. She's, she'll, she'll take pizza any night.
2: <laughs> Aw, sweet Virginia. And, and so, Sarah, give a little background because... You've, like you said, you've been doing this twelve years, but yeah. you're in your twenties. Yes. So, so you started when you were just a young child.
7: Yes. So I started this farm when I was fourteen, just with one acre on that quarter acre that we started with. Um, we started with only four families as a CSA, and then from there, um, we, you know, kept growing up to forty. And then when I was 16, we bought our second acre. And so um, that's when we got our second acre of land and started growing there. And from there we got up to 90 shareholders and we were doing three farmer's markets. We actually didn't have a farmer's market in Cedar City when we um, started farming. So we started two of those markets and then um, we started going to St. George and Springdale farmers markets and now we've kind of shifted this last year where we don't really go to markets as much we still go to um one but we do a lot of stuff out of our farm stand on saturday and we teach more classes and then we have a full diet csa now instead of kind of more of this you know weekly and and let's talk a
2: little bit about more about that because there's what there's a little there's a model that you guys have taken on that I think is really cool and everything changes throughout the years you learn more obviously Mm -hmm. and all that but when folks come to pick up their share for their CSA they don't get a box that you make for them that has maybe some things that they don't know how to use or like or this or that they actually get to come in go in the kitchen see all the food laying out and take what they want
7: yes and they're definitely a stuff that we grow that they might not love or like but they don't they're not forced to take it it's more of like okay i have time this week to experiment with kohlrabi or whatever is funky or new for them but yeah they get to come they get to take whatever they want whatever their family whatever they need to feed their family for that week so there's no set amounts there's not anything particular. We do, like, tell them, hey, you know, this is, like, something that's we don't have a ton of this week, so be more conservative right. with X, Y, Z. But for the most part, it's all you can eat.
2: <laughs> and, then, and then you said full diet. What does that entail? So
7: that entails we don't just do veggies. We have our milk, our eggs. We do meat. We don't raise the meat here, but we do have meat. And then um, we also offer fruit, and then we work with a farmer to do um, grain. So we offer a local grain.
2: And how many folks do you have in the CSA now? So
7: we do it like by members, but we have about 40 people that are signed up for that. A little less, maybe like 30. But it's a totally different model because those people are really eating from the farm. So they take way more because they're they're you know they're eating their main meals from the farm from
2: the farm so yeah. awesome so they're getting all the best food that yeah. they can get so cool and now let's 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 talk a little bit about the farm stand and okay and uh, what you guys stock it with and there's local products and stuff like that yes. in there too
7: yes so we don't just have our veggies and fruit and our baked goods on Saturday we do a lot of baking so we have bread and stuff but we also try to find local Um, artisans and crafters that align with our, you know, values that we Want to offer and showcase in there And so we have some of those products
2: And there's some stuff that you actually can And and pickle Uh and that kind of stuff too There's some fermented stuff That uh, you know is a big kick Now like um, Probiotics are really good for you Really good for your Mm -hmm. gut And when your gut's happy you think good thoughts And your brain's happy And the world's a better place (laughs) Of course (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, Any changes this year that you anything that's dawned on you all of a sudden like we said there's there's things you there's things you figure out all the time yeah so this year is there anything and you guys do events too and we'll talk about that a yeah. little bit but but what's anything new for this year anything that you'll do next year you didn't do this year um
7: I think like we're just really honing down so tk who also works here he's like a nerd and so we're just really getting our specifics on like planting and timing and you know what needs to go in the high tunnels because we harvest 52 weeks out of the year these people that come for shares they are coming year round wow so that's why our high tunnels are so important and our planting schedule is so important because we have to continually have food and in a 60 you know, the 90 day growing season, we really have to make sure that we have storage crops and things planted at the right time. So I think we're just really figuring that out. Um, and just keeping on, we've started like doing a lot of cultivating when it's baby, you know, like before it gets to the, Uh you need to pull it by hand Uh stage. So we've had way, way, way less weeds this season. And just, you know, just having more of that planned out and has really
2: helped. Very cool. So. What about events? So events. we just Woo! did burgers, bites, and what bands I here. <laughs> and it was a it was fabulous as always. Um, one of one of um, one of the folks that's on the council for the. Farm conference. It supplied the meat this time. Stanford, yes, Stanford. and uh, Sunnyside Farms.
7: Yes. Sunnyside yes, Farms.
2: Yeah. And he um,
7: provided the beef.
2: Go ahead and talk, Tell me oh. a little bit about the event and yeah. and a couple of the other ones that, that so are going on. So we
7: do um, burgers, bands, and bikes. And so we have an awesome band, which I played this time. And then um, we do four a year during the summer. And then it's our um, grass fed beef. This we, this month we use stands. And then you get um, a burger and lemonade, and you get a hangout. It's free to come and listen to the band. We open it up to the public, We, um, and if you want, you can get a yummy burger. And then we do breakfast, which is fun. And if you ride your bike, it's 10% off. Off oh, for burgers. Right, for uh-huh. burgers. So if you ride your bike to burgers, you get 10% off um, the food. And, and then, then breakfast then on the breakfast farm? Breakfast on the farm is the last Saturday, and that is a farm breakfast. We do farm girl flapjacks, hash. French toast with our sourdough bread and it's just a really fun thing so and then we also have like we do a lunch every other week that you can come and eat on the farm or take it to go and um, we do some farm dinners of course you can't not have a farm dinner and right. celebrate the bounty of the season and there's a wine
2: tasting one that's yep, coming we up do
7: one with the wine festival which is fun So we'll have our next Saturday is our farm dinner. And that's just like, it's a party. And it's just showcasing all the hard work that all of us farmers have done. And everything that's in the field. Because everything's on right now. You know, the tomatoes are coming on. Yes, You've got everything is in full bloom, rock and rolling. And so we just want to have a dinner and celebrate that.
2: So cool. I just want to say thanks. And I know how much hard work goes into this. And I know you guys are busy 24-7. Like, today is Sunday. And your mom took a nap on the couch for a second. (laughs) But that's about it, really. I know things just go around the clock around here. We have an
7: awesome crew this year. Like, we... This year, we have had an awesome, awesome crew. There have been years that... I mean, for a while, it was just me and my mom after my dad passed away. And so, this year, we've been cranking because we have such an amazing crew. Like, every in the kitchen, outside, everything. Like, we've been able to to really have an awesome season.
2: So you're in Cedar City, but where yeah. can folks find out more about you and get your information?
7: Okay, so um, you can always follow us on Instagram, Red Acre Farm CSA. Um, and then our website, redacrefarmcsa.org is a great way. There's a calendar if you're driving through. I know a lot of people pass through on the I-15. So if you're driving through, that is a great way. And then um, to check out our calendar and see if we have anything happening. And the
2: farm stands are always farm stand open. Is
7: open eight to eight Monday through Saturday during, the, or yeah, Saturday during the summer. We are closed Sunday, but.
2: Awesome! Yeah. Thanks so much, Sarah. Thanks for talking. And I love coming down here. It's like I feel really at home here. <laughs> and uh, anytime you need someone to help you milk the goats, you just let me know. Give me a call, and I'll even just come down here to do it. <laughs>
7: Okay, well, we love having you here.
1: Al, another great trip to a garden. Uh, Love the folks at Red Acre Farm. They've been on the show so much. and They do so much to push for the small farmer in our state. So glad to hear how... Sarah's garden has been growing. Her, not, it's not a garden. It's a freaking yeah. farm. Yeah, it's a farm. It's a farm. All right. Uh, thanks to everybody who's been on the show tonight. Check tonight's show notes for links to the events and the issues. And the new album from Adult Prom. We've got Russ Alfin here with us to talk about the new album, Mild Horses. We're going to play that title track in a minute. So we want to hear what the song is all about because its it sounds like a pun on the old wild horses everybody knows about.
0: Oh, yeah, it's it's um, had tons of ideas of what to name the album. And and uh, I had a song called Mild Horses just because I was like, that That sounds cheeky. That sounds funny. I love that song by the Rolling Stones. So it's just like, why not do an homage? And uh, and uh, Nate Peiffer, the, the the guy who produced the album, he suggested it as a album title. And I lived with that for a few days. And I was like that. Yeah. Let's do it. That sounds great. I feel like it. It. It's. It's a weird theme on the album. Just like you know, it's. It's a very mild album. It's a very, chill album to listen to to have in the background.
1: It's an adult prom. <laughs>
0: exactly. There you go. It's perfect.
1: Oh, the cheeky cheesiness continues. So, where can people get a hold of this?
0: So um, we're this album is available on all st- streaming services, you know, Spotify, uh, Apple Music, you name it. But um, we're lucky enough to have this album be released through Up Here Records, which is a, a record label that was started a couple years ago back in in, in Provo. And um, our friends there they they uh, put it on cassette. So Al, if you wanted to put this in your bin. <laughs> <laughs> You can head on over to um, Up Here Records uh, Bandcamp, which I believe is just at Bandcamp.com, to buy a, a, a copy and, and support us and support the Up Here Records and, you know,
2: get the music scene just bumping, man, you know. This is Adult Prom with the title track from their new LP, Mild Horses, Fresh and Homegrown on KRCL 90.9 FM.